programs. Hello and welcome to Toronto Logically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. Uh, this is minute number two. I'm your host, Duncan, and with me today is my courageous, creative, well-dressed, and nerdy co-host, Tyler Nickel. Hello, Tyler. Hi, Duncan. Every time you're just, you're just baffling me with all the compliments and oh, well. accurate descriptions of who I am as a person. <laughs> <laughs> you're worth it. Thank you. I am, uh, uh, for those of you who have never heard the other minute, which is weird to start on minute two, but I respect it. Uh, I'm a nerd human from Vancouver, British Columbia. I host a bunch of shows and I write for uh, various mobile gaming platforms that are also super nerdy. So it's fun. So Excellent. And I am a computer animator and writer of science fiction and poetry here in Vancouver. And I yeah. guess I'm a podcaster now, too. That's tr- You know what? It's uh, If you put them online and someone listens, you made it. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so minute two. Let's... There's a lot in minute two. Minute two is chock-a-block. Chock-a-block. So we start the transition into the light cycle game. We get a shot of a light cycle grid and two light cycles heading straight for each other, but then not colliding. Neck and neck, racing around. We see David Warner and racing in one. And we see a game player, which I think was played by Richard Bruce Friedman. That's what IMDb tells us. So. Yeah, if that's the one, because there's like, Warrior one, Warrior two. Yeah, but this player. one was and game it, player. That, I mean, this makes the most sense. He yeah. might be the guy playing the game too. We don't know. This one that says "video game cowboy." <laughs> I'm like, I have watched this movie in great detail. <laughs> I'm like, which? Who was the cowboy? And I just figured out what to put on my business cards. So that's there funny. it is. There it is. Uh, so yeah, they're neck and neck. Sark is like calm, and the game player is freaking out, and the game player gets himself killed. And mm-hmm. then the game player in the real world is like, damn. And then uh, Sark has a little conversation with the MCP. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what's his face. That's like Hans Gruber. You asked yeah. for you asked for miracles. I give you the MCP. <laughs> All right. So yeah, at the top we see a, a primary color version of the two-player snake arcing around the grid. Mm-hmm. Now in this one, the player is yellow, yeah. and the computer is blue. Which is contrary to their uh, their color coding for good and evil in this game. Yeah, in the in the movie, film, really. in the movie. But like you were saying, the uh, the original, the originally Steven Lisberger. Yeah, he wanted the good guys to be yellow and the bad guys to be blue. Which is odd because I don't think of bad guy when I think of blue. I don't know. I mean, like it's colors, it's spectrums of light. But like for some reason, I hear blue and I don't think like that's the evil guy. Like. In in most video games, if someone has like a blue glow to their eyes, they're usually a good guy. And if it's a red glow, then you're evil. Yeah, that's true. And also, well, there's the blue screen of death. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that. I'll give you that. <laughs> Computer-wise, is... maybe blue is a lot more evil than I'm giving it credit for. Yeah, I think computer-wise, blue can be a really huge red flag. Yeah. Like a, a red in computer is kind of like an error message, which you're like thankful for the information. But blue is like, oh, God, it's all gone. what's happened you know please don't be dead i believe in you fight fight for the users fight for the users fight for the users come back come back don't go to the light yeah but it's wild because i think maybe these because they did the production took so long that i think maybe the the, this light cycle battle might have been when they were still thinking yellow equals bad and or sorry see it's it's not there right your brain wants it yeah, yellow equals good and blue equals bad because the blue program is piloting the yellow light cycle and the red program, Sark, is piloting the blue light cycle. Mm-hmm. 
so they might have they might that might have been a one of those things where they're like well we're changing the colors and the guys that were making the, the computer animation were like that's nice like yeah, yeah. We're, we're six months through one year of animating this yeah. so uh, looks like he borrowed a good guy's cycle so this <laughs> is what's happening now yeah uh, i'm going through a tunnel click see you later yeah i will say um and this is one thing i I, it sounds almost egotistical but this is a thing i always am amazed by in a movie when i see an idea i couldn't have conceived of myself and when you look at the light cycle the idea of a motorcycle that's basically dragging a wall behind it it's just like that is a brilliant concept and it's just shown yeah. and tossed away so quickly like the the design of like an arc of light comes out the back of this cycle and forms a solid wall like dude nice like be yeah. proud of that that's awesome yeah and i I don't know if that was all Sid Mead or if that was all Steven Lisberger. I think Lisberger came up with the idea of the bike that leaves the wall behind it, but then it was mm-hmm. Sid Mead who uh, who designed the bikes themselves. But yeah, conceptually, just like high concept wise, you understand it right away. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, don't hit the wall, and it's leaving a wall behind it. That all that automatically makes this game finite. Like, there's going to be a crash, you know? Yeah, that's that's one of the things. There's no way out of this game besides crashing or causing harm to another like it's it's very head-to-head sudden death it's it's like the high the the energy and the high stakes of it you feel immediately and this is a minute 15 into this film yeah yeah it's just it's right off the gates i really i really enjoy that this film just puts the pedal down right at the top Mm -hmm. we don't get a, a full like 15 minutes you know cabin in the woods style intro of people walking around a computer base talking about, you know, hey, computers, eh? Let me tell you. You know, like, we get all that stuff later. First off, light cycles. Like, it's oh, it's like, because uh, David Warner, he also played um, the ultimate evil in Time Bandits. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, slugs. God created slugs. <laughs> I'd have started with lasers. Eight o'clock, day one. That's <laughs> uh, true. That's such a good movie. Um, I'm I'm gonna go over to our friendly compendium here of yeah. Tron, the novelization, a novel by Brian Daly based on a screenplay by Steven Lisberger, story by Steven Lisberger and Bonnie McBird. Um, this is that's what the full title on the book says. It's it's more title than cover on this. Uh, a futuristic adventure motion picture from Walt Disney Productions. Uh, in in the game here that they're playing, they actually play two games back to back, which are seen later in the film. But Sark immediately plays the weird, like, high-lie, standing-on-disappearing-disc games. Yeah, yeah. And and a good old game of throw your disc at the other guy as hard as you can. Those are the ones he comes out with instead of the light cycle. And I kind of understand that, because those are easier to describe than a light cycle race. Yeah. Like, I, in the terms of high energy. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Um, but even here in the book, he's referred to as Sark the Red, the Unbeaten. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Sark the Unbeaten. That sounds like a Game of Thrones character or something. Right? Uh, and he does actually do, do a more evil laugh after killing people in the start of that one. He, he's he's way more... You can feel him be more into the murders in this, whereas like, in the film, it's almost like, oh, it's expected. Like, I win, of course. Like, it wasn't a challenge. But in this one, he's like, oh, no, I took pleasure in watching them suffer. Yeah, like, he gets... He gets off on it in the movie, but it's not like during the battle. It's almost mm-hmm. it, o- it only comes across when he's like uh, eager to please the MCP and talking to the MCP and being all like, "Yeah, let me at him, boss." Which you know could be fake or whatever. I guess just trying to impress the MCP. 
because I sort of get the impression that he doesn't really have a lot of choice in the matter. You know, the MCP is yeah. like, go kill these guys. And he's like, mm, I can't say no. <laughs> so, Well, literally, like, you can see a lot of his character in this minute boiled down to the two-line exchange. Yeah. Which is MCP saying, like, you're getting brutal, psych, brutal and needlessly sadistic. And he smiles and says, thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just like, but like, that is not a compliment, my man. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. There was, uh... Yeah, there's a couple of this. Uh, I always like that in movies when you see like um, like there was an old movie called Rock and Rule, an, an animated uh, movie from, from mm. Canada, and the bad guy in it captures one of the leads, and uh, she says to him, "You're totally crazy," and he turns around and says, "Thank you." you know, like, <laughs> like I've made it. Yeah, like when uh, when someone gets that, like you know, someone tells them you're a horrible person, and they're like, "Man, right on. Thank you. That's uh when they take it as a compliment, you're like, oh, oh, so this is the bad guy then. So I will put out there that as a child, as, and the, of course a Tron fan, as anyone with two eyes connected to a heart should be, um, mm-hmm. my friends and I, we never fulfilled the mission, but we started trying to figure out how to do an in-person light cycle race. Okay. And and we had it designed on paper. And here's how it would have worked. Okay. If you get a bicycle... And then out the back of it would be like kind of an L-shaped pipe with a roll of butcher's paper. Sure. And then every time you took a corner, someone would have to run up and jam a stick in the ground. Yeah. So that it stuck to that corner. And we had this down on paper as like this massive plan we were definitely going to do of trying to butcher paper light cycle race in a field. And I wish that could have come to fruition. And I'm certain someone on the internet has found a way of like doing some colored fabric on a roll or something and doing it. But I would love to see an in-person light cycle race. That would be great to do. That would be really good to do. That would be amazing. It sounds like a $2,000 investment and a definite bro- broken <laughs> bicycle. Oh, I don't know. That sounds like a $50 investment to me. Like, Oh, I was counting in the hospital bill. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, and it's also funny as picturing it like, uh, like you have to propel your own light cycle by pedaling super hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're, and you're you're leaving a brown trail, you know. Yeah, even in this world of like, okay, this is like pie in the sky dream. We never thought of having like motorized. <laughs> well, you work you work with what you have, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It, what, what's available on hand? The screenplay is is similar. Um, we get the a buzzer, like the two figures are standing on the grid. They hold a bar between their fists. A buzzer sounds, and then the bike forms around them, and they go off. And we see that it keeps cutting between the video game and the teenagers playing it. And then mm-hmm. it cuts down to other games, and where we see the the tank wars. We see the tanks fighting mm-hmm. each other, and we see the discs being thrown at each other. <laughs> and then the highlight stuff. And then here's an angle. Yeah, here's a shot of Sark. And he's like eight times the size of the other player. And his head is, his body is enormous. His head is mechanical. Uh, This is Sark. His body glows ominously blue, which is in no way calming. (laughs) He is catching the pellet thrown from his opponent, who's much smaller, glowing yellow. As a sneering, Sark uses his electronic cesta to hurl the pellet back with violent force. I guess the cesta is the name of the cup. Yeah, that's like the weird like super long hand the highlight scoop, which highlight balls uh, oh you could kill a guy with a highlight like ball. they get up to some ridiculous <laughs> speeds i remember yeah. that you see a little bit of highlight in the opening credits of miami vice mm-hmm. that game always looks so i remember watching miami vice and going oh hey that's the tron game 
<laughs> and then going, oh, oh, highlight. Okay, well, I guess it's a Miami thing. And then I did research. And I'm like, oh, it goes back to the Aztecs. It's agent. Wow. Yeah. I, I will say that if if I had read this novel as a kid and seen Hylai written down, there is no chance in hell I would have known how to pronounce that word. Yeah, for sure. JLA, you know. Guys like to play a sort uh, of JLA. Oh, yeah, yeah. JLA. JLA. <laughs> for, for those who have never seen it written down, J-A-I space A-L-A-I. Yeah. yeah. Interestingly enough, the game is being played by two people, a guy and a girl. Also in the book, And yes. uh, the boy is like, God, Lisa, I almost had you that time. Want to play again? And the teenage girl's like, yeah, if you got another quarter. <laughs> and That's also, yeah. So I was actually going to bring that up because I was impressed that in the novel as well, they have a female gamer winning, which in the 80s is not like a that's that's actually kind of progressive dude good point yeah geez i almost wish they would have actually done that the only thing about that is who's playing who that's the question right where it's like wait so one of you just murdered a guy yeah what if you just murdered a guy and what if he was playing sark like so sark wasn't in control like what if sark no, it definitely makes more sense to immediately cut the second player. yeah so he's playing the computer but that also means that otherwise he would have just been playing two very nice people where one of them is like i'm sorry <laughs> yeah well that's the one thing i wonder about with the light cycles is if it was if it's a if two people are playing it and you're not playing against the computer then those two programs are created at the beginning of the game and then one of them dies so one of them has a life cycle of you know whatever three minutes they're basically like oh who am i oh i'm i'm uh, like memento like oh what am i doing here oh i'm uh, i'm driving a light cycle chasing this guy okay, i'm chasing this guy no no he's chasing me you know like you uh <laughs> you got to figure it out quick uh -huh. or then you die and then but the guy that lives i guess just goes off the game grid and is like okay so who am i what's going on so it's a one a one minute life cycle. Could you imagine trying to stretch one minute out to just be as long as you could possibly make it? Well, yeah, well, that's one thing. Like, what if you <laughs> wanted to like not compete each other, not kill each other? Yeah, just the joystick stops working <laughs> and there's just two dots hovering in the middle of the screen. Or how long? Like how? Because I don't think you can stop, right? So like how no. how long can you just go like in spirals around and around and around the the grid until you uh, you run out of space? Yeah, I guess the attract screen when that happens too, like that would just be someone who's set up to their death just to get someone to come to the screen. Because if, if for those of you not familiar with arcade machines, I used to actually own one. I had one in my house. Lucky. Um, it was fun. Yeah, my dad would go to auctions and bring home stuff that would uh, make my mother make decisions about what her life right? had been led to. Uh, it was great. The space, it was the very space fun needed for one of those old cabinets. It's Huge. Oh, we had a sit down. We had uh, it was like the 1946 one or something. It was a, one of the, like the fighter plane uh, top. Yeah, 42, actually, right? 1942. 42, yeah. yeah. And you actually like sat down in this bench and it had like a full cockpit to it. It took up the whole basement. We had to take the door frame off to get it in. Anyway. Anyway. But if you leave it running, they do a thing called an attract screen, which is like the game shouting at you to come play it. And sometimes it shows gameplay. And even, like, gameplay that you might not get in the game, but just, like, here's a sample of, like, if you were super good, here's how it would look. And so that means when that's happening, that's just some poor program getting set up to get murdered to get someone else to come in and murder his friends. Yeah. So the reality of Tron is deeply horrifying. It's really, really brutal. <laughs> well, then we can, I mean, like, if we want to get into it as Vancouver-based people, I think we're required by law when talking about people living in a game to mention Reboot. Yeah, that's, well, that's something that there's a, a local uh, podcast audience participation debate 
in town called uh, mm. Geeks versus Nerds. And one year they did uh, Tron versus Reboot, which is the superior in-universe video game property. And they did Tron versus yeah Tron versus Reboot. And I was on the Tron team because they were like, "Do you want to be on the Tron team?" And I'm like, D- "Yes, yes, <laughs> yes." So hello, yes, please, I went yes. Uh, dressed as uh, dressed as the dude because I've got a, a big beard and I was um, drinking White Russians. Nice. And it was an interesting experience because I went going, "Oh, we'll we'll clean up." This is obviously the superior reboot's forgotten. You know, like Tron is burned into our minds, and so. At the beginning, they're like, all right, everybody, on this side, we have Tron. And all the, you know, late 20s people in the audience were like, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. You know, and they're like, and on this side, we have the team for Reboot. And the place went nuts. And I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm old. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was not an essential building block of my life because I was not yeah. nine when I watched Reboot for the first time. For me, I was just starting to get into the animation industry, you know, and I could appreciate it for what it was, and I definitely liked it, but I didn't uh, hold it up as a, as a lofty accomplishment. And uh, uh, I was in the minority in that room, and oh my gosh, we lost. My, my zingers, my zingers <laughs> weren't that great. And somebody uh, really got me with a zinger. I was like, I was like, 10, print, you suck, 20, go to 10, or something like that. I was like, and then and then, uh, and then, the other team was like, man, even your insults are basic. And I was like, oh. the whole the whole place was like, whoa. And I was like, okay, we were yeah. losing, but now we just, now, now that's, that's it. Like, Let me just seal this coffin up just, for uh, you. I'll tell you what. Scrape yeah. some dirt into my own grave here, and, uh, and, and we're good. My uh my first job out of high school was actually as a production assistant for Mainframe Entertainment, so I have watched many a VHS of reboot on a life size mic the TV. Excellent. Oh yeah, so color schemes, right? So yeah, in the beginning, uh, it was supposed to be blue for neutral programs that believe in or fight for the users. Ncom mainframe security pro- programs, which is interesting, and users. They automatically get components. So red was for people that don't believe in the users and considers them blasphemy and be- believes in and <laughs> or loyal to the MCP and some military programs like SARC. So they say SARC is a military program, which I don't think is ever really brought up directly. No, they bring up that he's going to fight some military programs, but he doesn't get called out. I thought he was always the creation just of Dillinger. Yeah. And then we get yellow for hacker and search programs. And then we've got green mm. for military programs like tank drivers, who in the movie are kind of a turquoise, but you could, I guess you could call that green. Purple yeah. for some system utilities such as data pushers. And uh, black or plain for data monks with no explanation. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, a data monk? Wasn't that the one fellow that guards like the bridge gateway is kind okay. of a data monk sure, yeah. search program? Yeah, let's go with that. That sounds great. I like yeah. that. Because you do see literal yeah. monks walking around later on. Yeah, oh, like yeah, you, you do know, in any computer. Okay, yeah. what do you think is the maximum number of light cycles that would fit on a grid? Like, to make a game that was playable? <laughs> That's a very good qualifier. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Because like, if this was an arcade cabinet, I could see you maxing out at four. Like, if you all started in your own corner... Um, but anything after that, like you have an intersection between the two where it's like, I'm just going to turn left real hard to start yeah, and kill yeah, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Just if you've got like 10 starting on one side, you know, just like, oh, turn it left. See you later. Nine. Yeah. Gone. 
Was was there an answer? I didn't know if there was a right answer to that. There's no answer. I would assume it would be a power of two, just in a in a computer. Oh yeah, computer yeah. Way, like they're like definitely like. Or I mean, you could do a three person race. You could do a three person race. I think probably eight would be Oof. the. Uh, but you'd need a pretty huge, a pretty huge grid. I think. Speaking speaking of the grid, uh, just for a second here. Um, so obviously, like you got the really basic grid, which is the nice holodeck look we've got going there. But I, oh, yeah. I've actually, and this is like a weird aesthetic to have always loved. I love the walls of the light cycle grid. Yeah, yeah, with their strange, uh, what are the symbols on? Yeah, it, it, well, it's very like 1990s laser tag arena. But um, yeah, yeah. But like, if if I had the Druthers and I could make a room look like a light cycle grid for like a TV room on a million dollar mansion, I would 100 percent be down for that. Like, it's a yeah. really nice, just like gentle late like like 80s 90s com- like here's what's computers i don't know man a bunch of weird symbols and like some of them are see-through yeah yeah i really like that quite a bit what are some other vehicles that you can imagine speeding around Ooh, like what if about it was... a light a light unicycle <laughs> oh god that would be something uh, like a light atv would be interesting for like doing it with like a double wall behind you oh a double wall yeah cool and that way you could like have a light cycle like if you did something off and then you got down they could drive between them it'd be interesting yeah or yeah like a a a light cycle that left a dotted line Mm -hmm. because the other thing i imagine with these cycles the way it's in this film they must start against the wall right yeah yeah they start right against the wall snuck up because otherwise you would uh have just like in the middle of the arena some horrifying path you might get stuck in the middle of (laughs) yeah yeah or i don't know maybe a surfboard or something oh like just silver surfer it yeah silver surfer it and uh that would be a pretty sweet thing to have inside the game yeah just ride it like norin ray which i think i got that right hopefully i did because i work for norin rad rad oh so close they're gonna take away my credentials at work (laughs) uh okay so the light cycles they had a the sound of the light cycle is so unique. Oh, and that was a, yeah, that was it. <laughs> the old, uh, now I'm thinking of that old commercial for Rainier Beer. There was an old commercial for Rainier Beer, which I think was a Seattle brewing company, and it was just a motorcycle going by, and they used the Doppler sound effect as it went by the camera, and it was like, Rainier <laughs> Beer. There, there does seem to be a bit of like Doppler and acceleration anytime you take a corner, which could be a horrifying option if every time you turned it accelerated you slightly. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a nightmare. That's a literal. <laughs> that's a literal nightmare. Wow, faster every turn. So you've got this built-in like, uh, like something that discourages you from ever turning. Oh man. Oh man. It, th- there's your game now. It's like... that's now. It's now you're talking. Oh, now you're. You know, with current technology, nothing. I'm sure someone's out there is doing it. I would love to play Light Cycle VR. Yeah. Like yeah. Just... No, I think there might actually be one of those at a Disney park or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. But if I could just lean forward over a chair and hold a stick. Because that's the other, I don't understand the steering on those, because it seems to be just be holding, like, a firm bar that I guess you turn, but you only, like, do you just kind of tweak it to an angle and it does that perfect 90 degree? I imagine there's, like, a button on either side of the bar that you uh, thumb tap or, or pinky tap or something, and mm. that just, that sends you. The, the sound is from Atari video game tones, but there's also actual motorbike engine noises in oh, there. Oh, nice. And, uh, and a buzzsaw. Of course, that's, that, that sound designers are, are brilliant, wonderful people that can just bring in stuff where it's like, what do you have in there? Like, as many things as you could imagine would make that noise. 
Yeah, like uh, in uh, Ghostbusters, the siren for the Ghostbusters Ecto-1, I thought was a vintage siren from mm -hmm. back in the day, but it's not. It is a cheetah's scream really? backwards. It's a backwards cheetah's scream. Wow, and I was like, wow, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it's not. I thought it was actually like a 1935 ambulance siren or something, but it's not. That's, that is something. Yeah, or that uh, that peel out in Fast and the Furious that uses an actual dolphin. <laughs> I forgot and about it, that. It's, yeah, it's burning rubber in front of the camera, and you actually hear a <laughs> That is clearly a dolphin. That would see. That's what we're missing. Is we got to get Tron to get enough sequels that they start doing what Fast and the Furious does, where it just becomes unbelievable levels. Oh. So I want to see like a Tron light cycle heist. I'm here for that. I'm yeah. here for that. I love it. Uh, the light cycles were created by a company called MAGI, which stands for Mathematical Applications Group, a.k.a. Synth Division. Uh, there were four companies that were used for the digital effects. MAGI, Information International Incorporated, or III, Robert Abel and Associates, and Digital Effects. Hmm. And uh, MAGI had the ability to do the action scenes. So they did the light cycles, the tanks, and the recognizers. With a thing I love about when nerds name their own company yeah, <laughs> is yeah. they'll they'll back themselves into some some name where it's like it sounds amazing and then you break it down it's like that is the most boring analytical yeah. name. Rockstar North before they were bought by Rockstar they were called DMA and it's my favorite acronym because before they changed their name it was DMA and DMA stands for doesn't mean anything. That's amazing. Best company acronym yeah what's ever. dma it doesn't mean anything no but what is it it's like <laughs> Adam it costello act just set up in their company title what does a yellow light mean <laughs> go slower what does a yellow, a yellow. light mean <laughs> so so we end here on the on the line we kidnapped some military programs which i think is a fascinating way of talking about hacking <laughs> yeah we kidnapped them yeah i wasn't and hacked this... my files were kidnapped <laughs> We also, uh, we have, okay, well, do you want to talk, well, we can talk a little bit about David Warner in the next minute. Yeah, he get, he gets a little more action. This one is just very visual on his, on his, I mean, for casting, if you're looking for a stern guy that you're not going to mind if bad stuff happens to him, bless David Warner and his angular face. My, my love for David Warner is huge. He played the bad guy in so many defining movies of my adolescence or whatever. I just like, he is the bad guy because he's just cool as a cucumber, but he also has just like a, you know, a touch of weakness and a touch of sadism, mm -hmm. you know, like he can really, he's almost like, and he's also smart, you know, kind of like Charles Dance. Like Charles Dance was a, a really cruel person in Game of Thrones, but mm -hmm. he was also always the smartest person in the room. Like he's always just kind of like, surely, surely you all understand what's going on here and everybody's looking at him like oh uh, what are you talking about and he's like oh my god really i'm the guy he he has okay. an air about him like a manager who just fired someone mid-meeting yeah <laughs> like where sure. everyone's like "Ooh, all right i'm just gonna sit back here and not get noticed <laughs> here's uh here's the other thing in this screenplay sark after he finishes uh dispatching the, the player he strides through a wide corridor where other tough-looking blue warriors are lounging around, leaning against the walls and sitting on the floor. And they look up as Sark comes in, and they start talking to him. And they're like, Sark, my man, you are yeah, hot. But... And uh, that knuckleball gets him every time, boy. And they're all like patting his back and, and all that kind of stuff, which is just so strange to, to think of. Uh, so that exact line is in the novel. 
Yeah. Um, but there's a line that follows it, which again, like there's sometimes you can condense language into a perfect thought. And what follows that is Sark chose to laugh. Oh, great. I love that. As I said, it was just like, (laughs) like, and then the other reds took that as permission to join in and Sark walked on exulting. And I just like that idea where he's like, all right, well, I'll show a little love to you because you obviously praise me so good. And then they all start laughing. He's like, yes, very good, very good. <laughs> Such, I want to touch briefly on the other player there, Richard Bruce Friedman. In his IMDb picture, he's like super jacked and he's only got three credits, which is uh, Can't Stop the Music and he was on an episode of The Love Boat. Well, good for him. I once uh, got called up on stage at the uh, Largo on Coronet in Los Angeles and got to play match game against Isaac from the love boat. Oh, that no story. way. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It was really fun. Uh, that, that is a weird back end into being able to tell that story. Uh, Fred Willard was the host for it. It was a great night. I had the most fun. I was the youngest person in that audience by a good decade. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Jay Leno closed it. It was a really weird night. No way. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is something else. The, I'll tell you uh, about it off air because it's not related to this at all. Okay, but okay. I'm just going to say, I've been on stage with Isaac from The Love Boat, so I have almost as much street cred as this. <laughs> the uh, We see uh, Sark's Cruiser. That was made by Triple I. They did the Solar Sailor. The oh, I love that like giant cruiser with the cockpit to oh, the side. So cool. And it's such a good boss ship. Mm-hmm. You know? Like just that giant, like the, what is it in uh, like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, like floating in the air exactly the way a brick doesn't. Yes. That's the line that got me into writing as a matter of fact. Oh, fantastic. It was just so, I'm like, oh, you could describe something by t- saying the opposite of it. Yeah. Yeah. But also a thing, and this is like, I don't know if it's, I can't read into exactly how a designer's brain worked on it, but especially on boss ships, when you have like a super exposed section that's like vulnerable to attack that just shows like a dare you like, like the whole bridge, like it's this giant brick armor of a ship. And the main part where he stands is like this little delicate jut off to the side. It's like, shoot it. Try shooting me. I would love if you did it. (laughs) Please give it a shot. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. I never saw it as that, uh, in that way, but that's, yeah, that's exactly, it's like bait. It's like a, a little lure. You know, hey, I'm standing right here. It's the anglerfish light of that ship where it's like, come on, come right here. I'm over here, buddy. Uh, The window's open. It'll be easy. Just, uh, just give it a shot. You won't, oh, you won't get derezzed or anything, which they do full out. They call it in the book, um, because they do the derezzed, but they had the longer form of it, which was weird to read. Oh, de-resolved. They actually put at one point. De-resolved. So it's. It's not uh, de-resolution. It's like de-resolution, de-resolved. Huh. Mm-hmm. Surprising. Okay, I just want to say Sark also did the voice for the MCP. Yes, yeah, so it's just so him talking to himself. He's talking to himself. And he does that a lot in this movie. You know, like, hello, MCP. Hello, Sark. Like, yeah. <laughs> it must have been kind of a lonely experience for him. Yeah, and he's literally locked. Like, he goes and, like, in this scene, too, you see him walk through the bridge, not acknowledge anyone, and then walk into his little cubby and basically close the doors to his office. Yeah, a little privacy, <laughs> privacy code of silence chamber. Well, um, I don't know. I think that might take us to the end of minute two. What do you think? I, I think we've just talked for a good half hour about this one minute, and I'm I'm going to be... So, like, for those listening, uh, and first of all, bless your, your Cybertronic hearts, this is also my uh, first time attempting a, a minute-by-minute with Duncan here. And it is a fascinating, I went into it not knowing like, how are we going to talk 
about a minute for 30 friggin' minutes and it, it's coming it's, it goes along it's amazing yeah it cooks along and it's like if you're a fan of a movie there's so much that you can uh that you can talk about and there's like mm-hmm. like it takes so many people to make a film so there's so much to talk about and, and explore. All right. Well, yeah, I'm excited to uh, talk about this next minute because we can get it to, we're going to dig into some Sark dialogue in just a little bit. So Sark it's going to be dialogue. fun. All right. So that takes us to the end of this minute. Uh, tell us, Tyler, where can people find you if they want to hear more of your wit and your steez, as the kids are saying these days? Ooh, I don't know what those words mean. Uh, right, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Either. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, if you're looking to find me and if I look to be found, you can find me at Dork Zombie, that's D-O-R-K Zombie, on Instagram. Uh, I don't use the Twitters because it scares me. And yeah, you can just find me there. I do shows all over Vancouver, British Columbia. I host at conventions uh, and I write for some mobile games and you'll see me posting when new stories come out on Instagram. It's fun. And I'm given way too much control of a very powerful toy universe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And if you want to get in touch with us here, uh, check out more at tronologicallyspeaking.com. Drop us a line at Twitter at tronologicallyspeaking. Send us an email at tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking, the Tron Minute by Minute listeners page. And also... The intro and outro music were created by Roman Forster over at Pond5. I recommend going to Pond5.com to get some music. And special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to the Movies by Minute com and see if your favorite movie is there. There's over 135 right now at the time of this recording. But Tron wasn't there. So if uh, a film that you like isn't there, consider doing it yourself. And uh, if it is there, then consider doing it again because it's a very inclusive and encouraging all right so we want to do end of line on three sounds good one two three end End of line line. (laughs) 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 all right i'm stopped